Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode. I would love to welcome you um, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. Um, <clears throat> so I don't want to hold you guys long today, but we're going to get into the 76ers and what I think about last night's win. A lot of people hit me up about it. Uh, you, you, you get my comments and my, re- you know, my reaction to last night's win. Also, the future of Joel Embiid. What does the future hold for Joel Embiid and how do I feel about him and his position with the 76ers and the league. Also, we're going to get into some 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 mock draft talk um with some teams that's within the top 10. We've been I've been hearing rumors and discussions and trade talks and possible picks. Also, Tua Tagovailoa, he has recovered successfully um the first for the first scan Coming, you know, recovering off of his hip fracture. So we have a lot to get into, a lot to get into today. So without further ado, let's go. Let's get started. I catch you guys on the other side. <clears throat> Okay, haven't did the hand rub in a minute. <clears throat> How you guys doing? So the Seventy Sixers, the Clippers, the Clippers coming off a uh, a second game off the back to back. You guys already know how I feel about those type of games. I think those games are are games that you can easily lose. But the Clippers came off a their second game off a back to back. Also, heading into the All-Star Weekend break. And, you know, Philadelphia is very dominant at home. The 76ers win. The 76ers win at home. And with that win yesterday, that made them 25-2 at home. And the win yesterday, you know, by the way, it didn't show me nothing that I did not know already about the 76ers. Yes, I know Ben Simmons is a guy that can facilitate the ball and finish at the rim at a high level and also can defend, which does not get talked about a lot, but he can defend. He's a he's a he's a very aggressive and a good defender and he has the he has the length to be a alt, uh, like an awesome defender. And Right so far in his young career, he has maximized that ability. He has yet to tap into that jump shot, though. And then, ben, and then Joel Embiid, he dominates the game. I know he can do that. He didn't have like 30-plus points or 40-plus points with 15 rebounds. No, he didn't have that. He had 26-9. and nine. 
But that 26 and 9 felt more like 37 and 18. He was real impactful. It was obvious. Yes, we all know the Clippers are very small. We all know they're very small and lack a rim protector. But that was very evident last night. But I'm not worried about the Clippers. I'm not talking about the Clippers. I'm talking about the 76ers. The Sixers are very inconsistent. Right now they find themselves 5th in the East. Not many people had them being 5th in the East coming into the season. Me, actually, I had the 76ers as my NBA Finals team coming out the East. I had them, they were my pick to come out the East. And they have done nothing this year but disappoint. They've done nothing this year but disappoint. With all of the offensive machinery that they have, they're 22nd in points per game in the league. They're in the bottom half in points per game in the league. They've had le- they've had leadership issues. They've had locker locker room issues. The coach, uh, I like Brent Brown, but don't love him. Many people have been very skeptical of him. Some critics have often been skeptical of Elton Brand, the GM, the the executive of the 76ers, who has yes put together a really good roster. But some will even question the moves and the pieces that he has moved in these last few years. And question the players, the money that he's he's given to some players. So, yes. Was I surprised last night from what I saw from the 76ers? No. Because, once again, they showed us how good they can be. But it was at home. It wasn't against a road team. And it just shows you just the inconsistencies of the 76ers. The 76ers, you know, they have games like, you know, they're at home. (laughs) They're playing against one of the, the, they play against the top tier teams. Like, look look at this. Look at this. The 76ers have beaten the Lakers at home. They've beaten Milwaukee at home. They beat the Clippers at home now. They've beaten the top three teams in the league at home. Yes, I know Toronto is on a 15-game win streak. And I know Toronto is really good right now. But I don't think Toronto is better than Lakers, Clippers, or 76ers. I mean, or Milwaukee. Milwaukee, the 76ers have beaten all three teams at home. See, like, what is the problem? What's the problem with the 76ers? Why can't they get it right? Why can't they seem to put the pieces together? Like I said, leadership issues. You know, their two stars are going through, I don't know. I don't, they're going through a, like an ego crisis right now. They're trying to figure out who is the guy. They're trying to figure out who is the guy. Who's going to be the man? Who's going to be the ultimate superstar? That's the problem. Also, on the floor, not just off the floor and, you know, and not just dealing with ego, but off the flo- on the floor, in today's NBA, the, the, the match of Ben Simmons and Embiid doesn't fit. It's not a great fit. It's not a great fit at all. 
the match with Embiid and Simmons is not a great fit. And you guys all know why. Ben Simmons as a guard or a forward, whatever you want to call him, can't shoot the ball. And it's not necessarily that he can't, but doesn't shoot it. He doesn't attempt it. He doesn't even attempt to shoot the ball. So we can't. So me personally, he can't shoot because he doesn't shoot. So he's reluctant to shoot. And with Ben Simmons being reluctant to shoot, you know, the smart teams back off of him. And they force him to play down low. And then, you know what that costs. You got two guys down low. Two cloggers. You have two guys down low on the box. That doesn't work in today's NBA. You got to spread the floor. So you know what happened. You know what happened. You know what's next. Joel Embiid goes out. He steps out to the, you know, steps out 22 feet from the basket. Where he's arguably the most skilled big man, the most skilled center in basketball when it comes to the post. But he is forced 22, 23, 24 feet away from the basket because Ben Simmons' lack of jump shot. And then that puts Embiid out on the three-point line. And essentially, I mean, we watched it all throughout the playoffs last year, but essentially, when Embiid, if he's going to be shooting threes out there, if he's going to be out there just lingering out there shooting threes as he does, instead of Embiid just being seven feet, he should just shrink several inches and just turn into a 6'6 forward. He should just turn into a 6'6 wing. Because essentially, at, at that position... Where he is on the floor at that time, that's what he turns into. He turns into a 6-6 wing player that shoots. And B, it's not to say that B can't shoot it, because he can, but with, a, with, with, with such a body as such as his, and being so physically gifted, and being talented, and having soft hands, a soft touch, you want him near the basket. But that is not possible because of Ben Simmons' lack of jump shot. But it may seem like I'm getting on Ben Simmons. It may, it may seem like I might be saying Ben Simmons is to blame. But I think this is an easy fix for the 76ers. Now, granted, the season is not over yet. The regular season is not over yet. And the Sixers, hell, they might could finish top three in the West and the East, excuse me. They might be able to finish second in the East. I don't think they're gonna catch Milwaukee. But they might be they might be able to finish they might be able to crack out second in the East. I don't think it happens either. Because they're too inconsistent on the road. And they're such a poor road team. But the season's not over. The 76ers can still get to the NBA finals. But if they don't get to the NBA Finals, you know what question is going to be raised. And Joel Embiid, you know, after the trade deadline, play, you know, players can't be moved. Teams can't do nothing with their players. Joel Embiid goes on, you know, goes on, Insta- goes on Twitter, goes on Instagram, you know, having it up with Jimmy Butler. You guys, I'm sure you guys probably seen the conversation between Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid. Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid had a tight relationship. All Joel and B guys, all his friends are gone. 
But the question, the big question, if the Sixers don't win a title this year, or if the Sixers don't go to the finals this year, the big question is going to be, what do you do next? Do you trade Embiid? Do you trade Ben Simmons? Me personally, I'm just going to tell you like this. And I, I and I think this is where you got to look at today's game. Look at who dominates today's game. And there's so many pointing factors. And I don't understand why certain executives around the league, certain GMs around the league continue to have this same perception as if the league has not changed, as if the league has not transferred. I don't understand it. I don't understand why. But first, this is gonna, I'm going to break this down. Joel Embiid is a center. <laughs> Centers don't win. Who cares about having a dominant center? Who cares about that? Because you all, you all know what dominates in today's game. The wing players, forwards. That's who dominates in today's game. You know who's going to have a big impact in the playoffs? Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, Paul George. You know why those guys are going to have such a big impact in the playoffs? And you know why we might very well see those players in the finals? It's because they're forwards. They're forwards. Yes, Giannis has a lot of size, but Giannis is not a center. Yes, Anthony Davis has a lot of size and length, but he's not a center. He's he's even came out and says, hey, I hate playing center. LeBron is... Whatever position you want him to play, centers are ineffective in today's basketball game. I talked about it. I said centers are ineffective. They're ineffective in today's game. It's not like the 1980s, the 1970s, the 1990s, where you had, you know, you had Kareem in the 1970s and 80s. You had, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon. You had Shaq. It's, we no longer live in those times. And you can go back after, and you can go back as far as after the Lakers won, after the Shaq three-peat with the Lakers. Since then, the last few NBA champions have been Teams that don't have elite centers. And don't give me an excuse. Yes, Tim Duncan played center, but Tim Duncan is a power forward. Tim Duncan is known as the greatest power forward to ever play basketball. But look, look at it. Look at it. The Spurs. They've won titles after the after the big three. This is after the three-peat with the Lakers and Shaq. The Spurs won titles without a true center. The Heat and LeBron with Miami. LeBron and Miami won titles without true centers. Dirk won titles without a true center. 
Boston won titles without a true center. KG played center. Kevin Garnett played center for the Celtics. But Kevin Garnett was a power forward. Warriors won titles without a true center. Just saying. The last two dynasties in the, in the NBA, the LeBron, the, the LeBron Heat and then the Warriors, they didn't have true centers. They had average centers. Or some would even say below average centers. Below average centers. Go look at those. Go look at those heat teams. You you guys remember Joel Anthony, Yadonis uh, uh, Haslam, Zaza Pachulia with Golden State, <laughs> Andrew Bogut. Like those are, and those were the last two dynasties in the NBA. And look who's look look and look at it. Look at it. Look. Milwaukee's the best team in basketball. They're 46 and 7. Milwaukee. Milwaukee's the best team in basketball. They're 46 and 7. Guess who their center is? Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is a stretch five. He doesn't play back to the basket. He doesn't do all those post-ups. That's not what wins anymore. You know, they, they you know, you you guys know this this poll that you know the NBA gives these executives. And you you know the one question that always stands out to me is the question where it goes, it it, it says it says Who would you build your your franchise around? What player would you build your franchise around? And the executives around the league always, it, it, it seems like it's always a center. It's always Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid. It's always a center. Why is that? <laughs> yes, size is important. Size is important. But not centers. Joel Embiid. Okay, you, you guys tell me Joel Embiid is the best center in basketball. You t- you guys tell me he's the most dominant center in basketball, but the, the but the most dominant center in basketball, his team is in fifth place in the East. You guys tell me that Joel Embiid is the best center in basketball, but I go in the wins and loss column, he's fifth in the East. He's fifth in the East, and look at the teams that are above him. Miami, Boston, got teams that have undersized centers. So you guys keep telling me, you keep trying to, you know, spill to me that centers and Joel and B. I think, to me, honestly, I think Joel and B gets a little bit too many, you know, gets too many, too much press, too much attention. He gets too much attention for me. He's great. I know. He's skilled. He has the talent of a, of a Hall of Famer. Yes, I know, but sometimes it's not about talent. Stop, stop going. Stop telling me about the talent. I'm gonna get into more about just, just it's, it's, it's more than being talented. I'm gonna get a little bit more into that later. But it's more than just being talented. You gotta have value. I look at a guy like John Morant in Memphis. 
John Morant and Memphis. Memphis first. Without John Morant, Memphis were one of the, you know, Memphis last year was one of the worst teams in basketball last year. That's why that's how they were able to get the number two pick. John Morant, young John Morant, has turned Memphis into a playoff team. If the playoffs started tonight, Memphis would be Guys that have the ball are the most dominant in basketball. Because, we, as we all know, the person with the ball controls the game. Whoever controls the game in basketball wins. Joel Embiid can't have the ball in his hands at all times. He has to have a guard that throws him the ball. The guards and the wing players, that's what dominates the league. In forwards. That's what dominates the league. Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron, Luka. Just look at who dominates the league. <laughs> who puts who puts up the big scoring totals? Curry, Harden, Luka, Giannis. What they all have in common? Oh, yeah, they're ball handlers. They're forwards. They're wing players. That's what dominates the league. Embiid, it's no longer, I'm not going to say he's no longer needed, but if the Sixers don't win the finals or get to the finals or even get to the conference finals, I'm trading Embiid. I'm cleaning the house out. I'm trading for it. I'm trading Embiid. I'm seeing what I can get for Embiid out in the open market, and I'm building this team around Ben Simmons, and I'm I'm, going to build this team similar to what Milwaukee did with Giannis. Because Milwaukee, because Giannis is very similar to Ben Simmons. Both are limp, both are both guys have good length. Both guys struggle to shoot the jump shot. Even though Giannis has gotten better, Ben Simmons hasn't. Both are really good facilitators. Ben Simmons is a really uh, Ben Simmons is a really talented passer. I'm building that 76ers mob similar to what Milwaukee is built to right now. And I'm putting the keys in Ben Simmons' hands. And I'm getting all of the possible assets I could get for Joel Embiid. If the Sixers don't make a deep playoff run. This, this, they don't make a deep playoff run, that's what I'm doing. i catch you guys on the other side. Um, we're going to talk about this, some, some, some mock draft stuff. Some drafting. Okay, so we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk a little NFL mock draft, and you know we all been hearing the things we've been hearing about the draft with Cincinnati with number one pick. Um, does Joe Burrow want to go to Cincinnati? We've been hearing that. Um, 
We've been hearing Tua and his draft status and even Justin Herbert. Do the Chargers draft the quarterback? And I can tell you why that picture got a little bit more clear because of Phillip Rivers, the, the news with Phillip Rivers. So, and we've, you know, I've been hearing rumors about the Redskins. And let's get, that starts right there. The number, that's stay right there. Number two pick with the Washington Redskins. <clears throat> the Redskins have number two pick. I've been hearing various rumors that, hey, Chicago is authoring, is offering Khalil Mack for the number two pick. Because even Chicago now realizes, and I don't know if they do realize it yet, but everybody else in the league realizes that Mitch Trubisky, he's just not the guy. Mitch Trubisky is just not the guy. And it's, it, <laughs> he's just not. The Redskins give up that pick. From the Redskins, the Chicago has no first rounders. And at with this two with these top three positions, because I'm gonna get into the Lions next, because that's my that's my main focal point that I want to touch. But let's stay with the Redskins for right now with number two pick, because I think they're gonna take Chase Young. But the Redskins do have other spots on their team, other holes on their team. And other positions of needs on their team that they that they can feel. But if I'm the Redskins, I go on to take Chase Young. If I don't get a good enough if I don't get a deal where I get two first rounders and a couple third rounders, maybe, if I don't get a deal like that's similar to that, I don't take the deal and I I, I draft Chase Young. Because with Chase Young Dominant defensive force, dominant defensive end. He's from the area. And this guy has the potential and the talent to be like a multi-all-pro type guy. He's a multiple-time all-pro type guy. Like, this can be a... He can have like an all-pro career. So, I'm gonna... I, I, I would take Chase Young with the number two pick if I'm the Redskins. I don't take a 29-year-old Khalil Mack. Um, who's had some great years and still is great, but with with the, with uh with young with Chase Young, he's younger. He's younger. He's uh he's he, as explosive, quick, big, physical guy, and like I said, he has all the measurables and and then the skills and the talent put together to be. All pro for years in this league. Um, I think the Redskins, are, you know, if they were to, you know, get a, a big time deal, then hey, they might want to look at an offensive tackle or, 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 or offensive lineman because the offensive line for the Redskins is going to look fairly different. I think it look fairly different in twenty twenty. Um, because they have to, they have three starters going into free agency. The notable starter around the league, you know, that was getting a lot of talk, Trent Williams. And he's not even a free agent. So, four out of their five linemen are on the open market. And Trent Williams is on record of saying, hey, I'm never playing for the Redskins again. So, you can use Trent Williams as, as trade bait to bait some of these teams, not during the draft, uh, you know, but it can be doing. You can use him during the season to get more assets. 
They can use another pat. They can use another receiver. Um, the scan scan. But I think they're gonna trap. I think they're gonna draft Chase Young. Um, cause they like. I think I think the Redskins they like him and they could use. A, they can use a guy on the line that's a playmaker. Uh, mixed with those Alabama boys that they already have. But my main point that I wanted to hit and I, and why I brung up today's mock draft was at three. The pick at three. Because everybody's talking about what the Redskins are going to do. Everybody's talking about what Cincinnati's going to do. Everybody's talking about what the Chargers and the Colts are going to do. But we're just glancing over this third pick. We're glancing right over this third pick. And like I said, I've been saying it for you. I've been saying it pretty much a lot, guys. I've been saying, hey, this draft is loaded. This draft is it has some talented players. It has some talented players. But with Detroit, why not draft a quarterback? I've heard the option, you know, many some media members, you know, I've been I I keep my ear to the streets. Some media members, you know, they say, hey. Detroit, they should draft a DB. They, you know, that fits the scheme. That fits the man-to-man scheme that they want to play. Yes, but Detroit needs a culture change. They need a culture change. Matthew Stafford has been in this league going on eleven seasons. He's below. He's he's ten games below five hundred. And he hasn't won any playoff games. Hasn't won any playoff games. And haven't won you division title. He hasn't won the Lions a division title. It's a whole bunch of 6 and 10s, 7 and 9s, you know, couple 9 and 7s, 1 10 and 6. He's below 500 in his career. Why we why why should the Lions continue to hold on to Matthew Stafford? Why? And like I this goes this goes back to my point earlier. Matthew Stafford has a lot of talent coming out of the draft. No, like let me let me let me just show you how much talent Matthew Stafford has and had, and how much hype was around Matthew Stafford. Because I'm going to explain this for people that don't know. Matthew Stafford, coming out of high school, was great. Number one quarterback coming out of high school. He goes to Georgia. He's the number one quarterback coming out of college. And then he's the number one draft pick. He's the he was the number one overall draft pick for the Lions in two thousand nine. And since then, he's been underachieving due to all his expectations and all the talent that he has. He has underachieved. He has continued to underachieve. Matthew Stafford's a very talented guy. I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. But I really I but I talked about this, I can pinpoint it. I talked about this after Matthew Stafford and the Lions Monday night football loss against the Packers. I said, Matthew Stafford's great talent wise, and he has moments in games where you're like, Wow, what a what a perfectly thrown ball. 
He has moments like that. But then you look at his overall career and what he's done for you lately. And when you most need him, does he come through? And the answer is no. He doesn't. Don't win playoff games. Rarely has gotten to the playoffs. Don't win division titles. And he's had years where Minnesota hadn't had the, you know, Minnesota always have not had the, the perfect quarterback. He's had years with Chicago. That's been the same situation. And he has had years where Aaron Rodgers has been injured. And the Packers haven't been at full strength. And he still has a job. Matthew Stafford, I think it's time for the Lions to draft the quarterback. Let's draft the quarterback. He's giving you 10 seasons of proof of what he is. He's giving you 149 career games to show you what he is. He's a below 500 quarterback with a lot of talent. Yeah. He has a lot of talent. He does. Those are nice. He throws a pretty ball. You know. He looked real good when he had Calvin Johnson. But this guy Matthew Stafford has never been able to put the pieces all together. He just hasn't. He hasn't been able to put the pieces all together. Like I like Matthew Stafford. I don't hate Matthew Stafford. I just gave him a compliment. I say he's talented. But, but, this guy, I don't know why the Lions are still holding on. I don't know why the Lions are still holding on. Holding on for what? I mean, holding on for what? He's, he's proven what he is. And you and I hear I'm hearing reports. I'm hearing reports that hey, Lions are gonna take a cornerback. Tell me the last time a DB has like changed the whole dynamic of a team that's picking this low. Tell me. Tell me. Look, look at this. I have the scout gonna put up for the Lions. Biggest needs: cornerback, edge rusher, O line. You know what they should have? They should have quarterback up here. Because Matthew Stafford, if he hasn't won you the division in 11 years, he has never won a division for you in 11 years. What makes you, you think he's going to do it this year? What's so different about this year from the previous 11 years. What's so different? Nothing has changed drastically in your division. Aaron Rodgers is not gone yet. So what's taking Detroit so long to get rid of a guy? I want to talk about another team that chose to do that as well. I want to talk about another team that chose to do that. They parted ways, and I predicted it. And I hope that this team 
didn't make this didn't didn't have nostalgia. If you guys remember, if you guys can date back this far, it's somewhere in my catalog. You can go you can go down and look at you know, scroll down or scroll up the list of episodes. But there is a park, there is an episode where I said, Hey, the Chargers cannot develop nostalgia. The, the Chargers cannot develop develop nostalgia. Nostalgia is a bad thing to develop, especially in sports. It's a bad thing to develop. And it's about another quarterback, veteran, 16-year pro Phillip Rivers. You know, the announcement came out a couple days ago. Hey, the Chargers and Phillip Rivers are going to part ways. I agree. Phillip Rivers this year... Yes, threw 23 touchdowns. Yes, he threw for 4,600 passing yards, but had a 5-11 record and threw 20 interceptions with his 23 touchdowns. Hmm, almost similar to Matthew Stafford, but what I can say about, about Phil Rivers, he's a little bit more productive than Matthew Stafford, and the Chargers have put... A variety, a variety of pieces around Philip Rivers for him to thrive. They give him, they gave him LT. Lawrence Ladamian, Ladamian Thompson, Thompson was like the best running back in football when he was playing with Philip Rivers and the Chargers. The Chargers also gave him Hall of Fame tight end Antonio Gates. The Chargers have always had. A litany of receivers to place around Phillip Rivers. He's had Vincent Jackson. He's had Michael Floyd. Now he has Keenan Allen. Mike Williams. Hunter Henry. He's always had all these good pieces. He's always had these good pieces. He's always had the the the, the, the represent weapons around him. What's been Phillip Rivers' problem? Maybe he might be one of those guys that just played in the wrong era. Played in the era of Roethlisberger, Brady, Manning. He played in that era. Maybe he's one of those guys that played in that era. But I'm glad the Chargers did not develop nostalgia. And I see the internet. They got on the owner. I think some of that is a little like I think some of that like frustration is due to the Chargers leaving San Diego. But this is absolutely the right move. Because what do I always what what have I been talking about when it comes to these quarterbacks? What have I, what have I been talking about? The ability to play make, the ability to to, to use your legs. Philip Rivers is old, can't move, and he's turnover prone. He's a turnover machine. You guys don't you guys you guys slander Jameis Winston, and I do too. But you guys slammer Jameis Winston. You guys make jokes of Jameis Winston and how many interceptions that he throws and how bad his judgment is. But Phillip Rivers has the same issues and problems, plus he's older and he's immobile and he can't play make outside the pocket. That's a triple whammy. You guys, you guys, you guys laugh out Jameis Winston. 
But at least he's younger and he can move a little bit. Philip Rivers can't move. Philip Rivers is turnover prone. Philip Rivers is older. And he's no longer the elite passer that he was a few years ago. He's no longer he's no longer that. He's no longer the passer that he was back in 2018. He's not that he's not that guy either. And we have seen the league in the last two, three seasons have a transformation at the quarterback position. We have seen it. We have seen it. Philip Rivers is he he just doesn't fit today's play style. And Philip quarterbacks like Philip Rivers has almost become similar to what the center position is in basketball. Doesn't matter. Old and mobile quarterbacks and plus you add on top, you add on top that he's he, he commits a lot of turnovers. There's no need for you anymore. I'm sorry. Philip is I, I, probably a nice guy. He is a nice guy. He's a fam. He's a family guy. He's had. He has good num. He has great numbers. But he's long. He's no longer a guy in this league that can play at a high level. I don't think he's a guy that can, he, can, he can play at a high level. I don't see it. Yes, he threw twenty three touchdowns. Okay. He had Keenan Allen, Mike. He has all these weapons around him. Of course. Of course. But he's no longer a guy that's needed. He's not that. He's not that. He's not a guy that's needed anymore. That teams are rushing to. He's not that guy. And it's similar to the center position in basketball. It's, it's, it's so similar to five positions in basketball. Just like the immobile quarterbacks. All these young quarterbacks, mo- well, not going to say all, but most of these young quarterbacks are quarterbacks that can throw within the pocket and outside the pocket. They give you a little bit more. They give you a little bit more. And I hope that the Chargers did not, you know, develop nostalgia. And I get it with the Giants or Eli. I get it because he's he's Eli. He won you Super Bowls. Phillip Rivers haven't won the Chargers nothing. So I get the Giants, you know, developing nostalgia. You know, I get they want to wrap their arms around Eli Manning, but the Chargers, the Chargers have done everything. They, 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 they've done everything possible for, for Philip Rivers. They've done everything possible for Philip Rivers. They've, they, they've gave him some good rosters. They've gave him some good coaches. They, they've shown him a lot of love. They treat him like family. And he said it. He said it. Philip Rivers, like, it's time for him to go. And I said that after the Oakland loss to, with the Chargers. Thursday night football, where I think Philip Rivers threw like two picks. He threw like two, 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 three picks. But he should have thrown like five picks. Yeah, Philip Rivers, he threw two picks. He threw two interceptions. But I said, hey, I came here and I said, hey, he should have thrown more than that. He should have thrown five interceptions. That was the game I said, it's over. The Chargers need to go in a different route. And 
it looks like they're en route to doing that. And also, lastly, about the draft, Tua Tungavailoa. He got he got he got cleared to be healthy. He's not cleared to do any football activities, but he's healthy. The hip has fully recovered. Now, before the you know before the Joe Barrow massacre happened, and before uh, Tua had his injury, as a talent, like just looking at the eye test and the talent, and I just remove the supporting cast that you know they have. I thought Tua Tungavaloa was the best quarterback coming out of the draft this year, talent-wise. I see a lot of Russell Wilson. I see a lot of Russell Wilson. I don't. I don't think he's a little bit. I don't think he's as athletic as as Russell Wilson is. But I see a lot of Russell Wilson with his mechanics, uh, his escapability at times. Even though he's not at, he, even though he's not as athletic. I still see it in his accuracy. I see it when he when it, with his pocket presence. I see a lot of Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, just a little bit bigger than Kyler Murray. But I see a lot of I see a lot of characteristics, similar characteristics. And I thought Tua Tagovailoa was the best quarterback coming out of the draft going into this year. And then Joe Burrow happened. We all know how. Well, you know, we all know what happened. But Tua Tagovailoa. If I'm teams, if I'm Miami, if I'm Indianapolis, or if I'm the Chargers, or hell, if I'm the Lions, I wouldn't worry about Tua Tagovailoa's injury. Did you do you think the do you think the the Eagles worry about Carson Wentz injuries at North Dakota State? I don't think they worry about that because it eventually got them a Super Bowl, even though he didn't lead them to the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz gave them home full advantage. Do you think Houston was worried about Deshaun Watson injuries? No. They, have, they, 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 they haven't. They don't care. They don't care. And I don't, I, you know, I, I just don't like the questions. Yeah, the questions are valid. Like, how does Tua look and how he's going to look and how he's going to recover. But, I still love this kid as a talent, and if you look at what the where the league is going, you can't touch the quarterback. The quarterback is fully protected, and plus, I just gave you guys examples. Teams was not worried about those guys' injuries in their health history. So, if you're one of those teams like the Chargers, the Lions, the Colts, Miami. Why not take a chance on Tua Tagovailoa? I like him. I like him a lot. And he proved me right. He had two great seasons in Alabama. He played against the top defensive players in the country on a when he had the SEC schedule. I like it, and I like him. If I'm one of them teams, I still take, I still, I still push my chips to the middle of the table, and I take them. I take them. I'll be back on the other, I'll be back on the other side to tell you guys. I'm gonna give you guys, you guys to see. I'm gonna keep it a secret. I'm gonna keep it a secret. You guys to see on the other side what I have in store for you. Just the last quick second thing. I'll be back on the other side.
Okay, so one last thing before I let you guys go. One last thing before I let you guys go. So, you guys all know how I did my Super Bowl bubble, my Super Bowl bubble during the NFL season, okay? So, I did my Super Bowl bubble during the NFL season. I gave you guys teams that I thought were Super Bowl contenders. So, what I'm going to do is, since the NBA season is coming to the all, uh, coming to a break, and we're, all, and we're nearly at All-Star Weekend, I'm going to give you guys... My teams that I think that can win the championship and the teams that I think could win a playoff series and the teams that I think, you know, they'll be out in the first round. So, let's go. Uh, the first team, Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee, uh, we all know they're 46-7. They have the best record in basketball, led by Giannis. Giannis, freakish Freakish athlete, freakish guy. I mean, has great length. Uh, Milwaukee, you know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, this this Milwaukee is just not going to run through the Eastern Conference." I might have to say otherwise. Milwaukee is twenty eight and three against Eastern Conference teams. They have played thirty one games versus Eastern Conference opponents, and they've won twenty eight of those games. They're twenty eight and three. That is that is crazy, and they might run through the playoffs. Um, so I look at them obviously as a championship contender. I think they're definitely a team that can win, that can uh, win a title this year. I like how the way they're built. They have a lot of size. I like that about Milwaukee. They can also shoot the three ball. They can shoot the three ball. I think that would be beneficial to space and opening the floor for Giannis. I like that part about them. Uh. The Lakers, I think this is a team that can win an NBA championship. Uh, they're forty and twelve right now. Some tend to think that the Lakers even overachieve what they're doing right now in the first half of the season. Uh, going back and looking at, hey, you know, going back and saying this is a fairly new team with a lot of new pieces, with Anthony Davis to add, Danny Green and Dwight Howard and all these other guys. Fairly new to this roster, and they just gel and fit right in. I think that's one advantage that the Lakers do have over the Clippers. LeBron and Anthony Davis have been playing terrific. The Lakers are number one in shooting percentage. The Lakers are number one in shooting percentage. So they're very efficient, and they lead the league in blocks. They have a lot of length and size. I like what the Lakers bring to the table. I think this team is definitely, excuse me, I think this team is definitely a team that can win the NBA championship. Denver is the number two seed in the Western Conference. They're 38 and 16. I like Denver a lot. Uh, this is a team that can win a playoff series. I don't think Denver is a team that can go to the conference finals or or not even that, let me not say conference finals, but I don't think this is a team that can win a championship. I don't think this is a team that can get to the finals. I think they're missing a third score, a reliable third score. I like Gary Harris. I like Michael Porter. They have a lot of players on their team that I like, but I only love one player, and that's Jokic. That's that that's Nikola Jokic. Um, but I like Jamal Murray. I like Michael Porter. I like Gary Harris. Will Barton. Paul Millsap is a little. He's aging, but. I like I like them I like most of Denver's roster. 
they've been deep for years now, but I think they're missing that third guy. That third guy to go to down the stretch. That's who they're missing. But I think they're a team that can win the playoff series. Toronto. Um, they're really good defensively. They have a good culture and they're well coached. So with those three things, I think they can win a playoff series. But as far as going to the conference finals or to the finals, um, I don't think they have enough scoring punch. I don't think they hit enough threes for me. They don't they don't shoot the ball well enough. But I, the the reason why I think they can win a series is because they they can they can they can defend. They have good culture. Um, just game planning wise and you know strategy wise, they'll be well coached every night on a on a night to night basis. But I just don't think they have enough to compete with my, with Milwaukee or like the Lakers or the Clippers or somebody of sort like that. I don't think they have enough. So Toronto, I think they can win a playoff series, but nothing more. Uh, the Clippers, the thirty-seven and seventeen. I think the Clippers could win a title. Um, yeah, I, I I think the Clippers could win a title. They're deep. I think they they might be the deepest team in basketball. Um, I like what they have defensively on the perimeter. Now in the interior, as you saw last night, it's still a problem. It's still a lingering issue that they have uh, protecting the rim. But I think with their, their with their perimeter defense defense. Um, being coached by Doc Rivers, being the deepest team, they have a lot of continuity. I like the Clippers. I think they're definitely a team that can win a title. Um, and as of right now, I love the Lakers. I love LeBron, but I think the Clippers are my slight. I think the Clippers are my favorites to get out the West. I think they're definitely able. I think they're definitely a team that can win a title. No question. Uh, Boston, Boston at three. In the, uh, in the Eastern Conference, they're thirty-seven and sixteen. Um, Boston, they lack a lot of size. Boston, Boston, like that's been Boston's issue for a very long time. Like that's been Boston issue for the last like five years. They, even with Al Horford, they have lacked size for years. Um, and I like I like what they have on the perimeter. Um, I just think Boston, I think they can win a playoff series. I don't see them winning a title. I don't see them getting to the finals. But I think they can I, I think they can win a playoff series. Um because they're well like I said, they're well coached. I like what they have on the perimeter with, with that, with with Kimba and Tatum as their duo and with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's been playing well this season, and then Gordon Haywood has fully recovered now. I think they're really good. And I like what they bring defensively, but I don't think they have enough size for Embiid or Giannis and um, some bench production. I would like to see more bench production from them, but I like Boston. I really do like Boston, but that's been a problem for years now. The lack of size, that's been Boston problems for years. Um, at four, Miami. Miami's 35-18. I think Miami's one of those teams that can win a playoff series. Miami's one of those teams that can win a playoff series. Um, good defense, like I said, good. In, like Miami and Toronto are very similar. Good defensively, good culture, and good coaching. But and unlike Toronto, they don't have you know Toronto don't have Kawhi Leonard. 
Miami has Jimmy Butler, but I don't think I, Miami. I don't think they have quite enough to compete with Milwaukee and Giannis. I don't think they have quite enough, but I do like what the, I like the moves that they have made. Like I like I've been saying, I like the moves that they have made. They've gotten better. They can definitely win a playoff series, and they could possibly get to the conference finals. But I don't know. I I, I can't see them winning the East. And, you know, or winning a title this year. Uh, Utah at four. Utah is one of those teams I think could win a playoff series. I don't think they can win a title. Now, the trio that I do like is Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, and Bogdanovich. I love that that trio along with Rudy Gobert. I love that trio on the wings that Utah have. I enjoy watching Utah. Uh, I tell people a lot about Utah, and they laugh at me. I was like, okay, you're laughing because it's Utah, but Utah always have good teams. They have a lot of they have they uh, now on the perimeter defensively. I like you, Bondanovich, and Joe Ingles, but. Defensively, uh, they're shaky at times. They they become very shaky and inconsistent defensively on the perimeter. Um, so I think they're definitely a team that can win a playoff series. Houston, I don't think Houston win a playoff series. I'm sorry, I win a playoff series. Uh, I, you know they're very explosive. I, I admit they they have gotten better. Um, you know as far as they have gotten better as far as you know winning you know offensively. They have they they act you know they have gotten better defensively, but mm, I I just don't I just don't trust it. I don't think they can win a playoff series. Sorry. Uh, next, Dallas. Dallas. Uh, can Dallas win a playoff series? I don't think Dallas can win a playoff series. I like Dallas. I think they're very exciting to watch. Well, no. I, I do. I think Dallas can win a playoff series. I win a playoff series. I'm gonna be borderline. I'm borderline with this. I think the Mavericks can win a playoff series, but they're bad defensively. They are. They, they give up a lot of points defensively. They give. Up, they give up a lot of points defensively for me. I don't think they can win a playoff series, though. I, th- I think they can win a playoff series because they're so explosive offensively. And with the Luka, with Luka and KP and those shooters that they have, they can really, like, heat up really quickly. But they're bad defensively. They're really bad defensively. Um, and then lastly, the Oklahoma City Thunder... They're thirty-two and twenty-two. I don't think the Thunder can win a series. Uh, they really, they really have overachieved this year. Uh, I didn't think the Thunder would be in the playoff picture. They have found themselves right in the sixth spot. So I, 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 I did not see the Thunder being this good. But they're really good. They're, 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 they're exciting to watch. But I don't think they have enough firepower. I don't. Yeah, I think I just I, I think they just lack firepower. Um, Chris Paul been playing phenomenal for them, but I think they lack firepower with that with with their roster. I think they lack firepower um, with that roster. I don't think they can win a playoff series. So there you go, there 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 you go, guys. Um, that's my my NBA Finals bubble. You so per se. Uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. 
Um, I have a special podcast coming up this weekend. Uh, it's my very first live podcast. We're going live. We have a live podcast this upcoming Saturday. Uh, I cannot wait. This is going to be the last time you hear from me until Saturday. So two choices, one decision. I'm out. Thank you guys for listening. Once again, keep clicking, keep clicking. We're only getting better. Our numbers are doing well. Our numbers are doing well. Um, Thank you guys and get ready for that live podcast. It's going to be phenomenal. A live podcast is going to be phenomenal. I catch you guys there. See you.